1: And now for an Explominate interview. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to an ExplorMany interview podcast. I am your host Rob, and joining me today is Drexy. Welcome back, Drexy.
2: Hey Rob, how's it going? Since so uh, I say every episode. Yeah, you maybe should could change it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: say something again. Try to, try to try it all over again.
2: Oh, Rob, it's so good to see you once more.
1: <laughs> oh yes, and you're not even seeing me. How weird! But oh, you thanks. are hearing from me. <laughs> it's so much better. I appreciate that. So anyways, today we are joined by Praxis Games for an interview on the newest expansion to Interstellar Space Genesis Evolving Empires. So I'll welcome to the show. Adam, welcome to the show, sir. Hello. Hi. Good to be here. Great to have you back. And Keith, once again, hello, sir.
0: Hey, appreciate you having us back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The last time we spoke was way back when, when you did the Natural Law expansion. So... We you kind of hinted at the idea of possibility, the possibility of doing more. And here we are talking about more, which is great. I'm, I'm really excited. And you guys posted that announcement. And then you've just actually released a, de- a dev diary today, which kind of outlined some of the stuff that's going on in the expansion. So before we get too far, one of you tell me a little bit about like the general idea of what evolving empires was meant to do for Interstellar Space Genesis.
0: Sure, I can go ahead into that. We had a few main objectives with this uh, expansion. One of which was we wanted to bring more asymmetry into the game. That was some feedback we'd gotten from players even early on. We wanted to try to address that. So that was a lot of where the inspiration for the evolutions mechanic came from. And then, uh, minor civilizations bring some more life into the galaxy. So that was a, a big part of it as well. Um, we felt like you know that now was the time to do that. Now that we got kind of our first expansion under our under our belt and got the some new races added, um, that's pretty much. it came from
1: right very cool so i think it's really cool to see the minor civilizations because it does it does add like you know like you said some flavor and you know like a an expansive feel to the galaxy which i think is really cool so uh, since we're kind of starting off with those would you mind telling me a little bit about how the minor factions will work
0: sure um so within the galaxy there are uh minor civilizations scattered around uh that's a configurable setting within the settings of the galaxy you can set how many you know if you want the average amount more or less um they are hidden so you will not see them at the start of the game. You have to explore around. So it kind of feeds into our remote exploration and our survey ship system, um, which is something that you know we've gotten a lot of uh, praise for. You know, a, a good comments on the initial base game release. So we've again we've tried to feed into a lot of those aspects that people really liked about the game. We tried to expand upon those areas. Um, so th- the minor civilizations naturally feed into that. Uh, once you've gotten, you know a good lay of the galaxy, and you've gotten full scans in certain regions, you will identify minor civilizations on certain planets. At that time, you have a couple of options. Um, If they're within your supply range, you will immediately start gaining a bonus based on their type. So there's seven types of minor civilizations. Uh, These incorporate things like industrial, espionage, militaristic, uh, cultural. Um, So basically, the, the type will be identified to you. You'll know who they are. You'll start getting a small bonus based on that. Uh, at that time, you have a decision. If you want to continue to survey them, you will bring a survey ship over, uh, survey that um, race, which is basically representative of you learning more about them, studying that race, um, trying to figure out who they really are, how they work, establish relations with them. Uh, that requires you to keep a survey ship in orbit for a period of time. Uh, it's set at 20 turns. You have to keep it there. If you, if it leaves the area, you lose that contact, uh, you're out. So you've got to you know, make sure that you can defend that space and hold on to it. Um, once you've identified the minor civilization, you will be able to pick a new bonus for it. You'll get a, you know, a large image, like we've shown a couple screenshots of. You'll identify which of the minor civilizations it is. So there's three per uh, type. So you don't know which of the three it will be until you identify them. Uh, once you've identified them, you unlock a bonus of your choosing. Um, that's a permanent bonus that everyone will get that has access to that minor civilization, which means that it's within their supply range. And it also means they have to have it identified and you know, know that that minor civilization is there. Um, and then you also get an immediate bonus as the one that surveyed them, uh, which is usually an instant bonus. It might be bonus skills for one of your leaders. It might be an amount of credits. It could be a free ship, things like that nature. Um, so that's kind of phase one and two, which is finding them, getting the initial bonus, and then identifying them. The AI will be also trying to race you to identify them. So there's a bit of a race here on who can find them and identify them first. Um, but once those bonuses are unlocked, they're kind of up for grabs for anyone that has supply range on them. Now, one way to take that away is to bring them into your empire's borders. So extend your borders out over that where that minor civilization lives. You now get exclusive access to that minor civilization, which means all those bonuses are yours and yours alone. Uh, this does incur a diplomatic hit oftentimes with other races that may have had um, access to them before that you took exclusive access. Um, so that's you know kind of the primary way and best way that you'd want to do it. Um, Another option, if you can't get access and it's firmly in someone else's territory, is you can go in there and destroy them, um, which obviously angers the person that had exclusive access to them quite a bit, but you know, you're denying them the advantages that, that you can't have for yourself. So um, that's kind of a you know, a summary, I think, of it.
1: I, I have to say that I really like this because first of all, it it starts to feel like Star Trek like, you know, like it just the idea of like you know, exploring the great beyond and then going out and sending out your enterprise to make first contact and stuff like that. That sounds really cool. I, I really like that. So if you wouldn't mind, I was, I was hoping you could give maybe a couple examples of some of the bonuses we might see.
0: Um, sure. So, uh, like I said, the, in, the immediate bonuses are things like, um, you know, free ships or, uh, free credits or leader level ups, things of that nature. Um, every minor civilization. So the type of minor civilization will give you some type of, um, You know, numeric bonus typically, like uh, you know, a cultural civilization might give you, uh, you know, half a half a space culture point per population in your empire when you first identify them if they're within your logistics range. If you identify them fully, then that those bonuses double. Those um, kind of civil, those type based bonuses that everyone gives are doubled immediately. Uh, In terms of the bonuses you can unlock for them, uh, beyond that, there's a whole host of them. Give me one second, Rob.
3: Uh, When you unlock, um, you can get um, further bonuses that are more powerful. I'm just, just give me. I was going to pull it up so I could make sure I don't misquote
0: any. Uh, Yeah. So some of the some of the permanent bonuses you can unlock, uh, depending on the type, would be uh, things like uh, espionage. You can reduce, um, you know, reduction to spy missions being detected. Your your spy missions. How long your spy missions take to set up. How long opponent's spy missions take to set up. How how quickly you can. how quickly they can set them up. Um, There are uh, increases to your early breakthrough chance and research percentage increases in certain research categories. There are uh, reductions to construction of certain types of ships. There are options to get additional culture points um, from colonies with ruins. There are militaristic bonuses to all manner of things, crew experience, uh, ship defenses, boarding defenses. Um, There's extra... Uh, economic gains from trade good income, trade asteroid exploitation, um, monetary gains, uh, ship refit speed. There's options to get uh, additional strategic resource, uh, you know, quantities of strategic resources added. So those are the type of things that you'll usually get to pick from two or three of those when you fully uh, identify a minor civilization.
1: Oh, that sounds really cool. So, I mean, that's just one part of this expansion, right? So other than being able to kind of, you know, first of all, I have to say, too, that I really like that you guys have kind of implemented this, this new mechanic in conjunction and sort of like in parallel, well, not really parallel, to, to kind of strengthen your already awesome scouting system, because like your, your the scouting system you guys have with the remote scouting and stuff, I think is one of the, one of the best, honestly, one of the best mechanics of any forex game I've played in some time. I really like it. I really like how it continues throughout the entire game and like, even in the late game, you can start to find systems that you didn't know were there before, which I think is great. And that seems like that this that that same mechanic is going to play into how you find the minor factions, right? You're going to be scouting. Like, is, are they are they going to be found through regular scouting, or is it going to be found through like your your remote scouting, or maybe a combination of both?
0: Uh, it's going to be a combination of both. And you know, all credit to Adam on the uh, on the remote exploration system. You know that. I agree. Obviously, that was an, a, a great system. A great system. It's very innovative and not something really seen elsewhere. Um, so, you know, one of my design objectives when I came in to help with the design on this one was to to try to leverage that and take advantage of that system. Um, but yeah, you will um, you will use remote exploration. So, effectively, to to identify a minor civilization, you need to get a full scan on the sector where the planet is located. So, um, you know, most players are probably familiar at this point with how that works. But you do a remote scan out of a sector, you get a basic scan, then an advanced scan, then a full scan. A full scan tends to reveal several factors, you know, like specials that might exist on a planet, things like like that. Um, Minor civilizations are effectively, you know, a a special on that planet that you need to identify from the the full scan. So you could do that with a survey ship or remote exploration. Obviously, the minor civilizations could live on hidden planets, the rogue planets and other planets that are not visible until you've done remote exploration. So, um, you know, it, it all feeds into that same kind of system. Now, the actual studying of the minor civilizations, that does require survey ships. And that was a conscious decision. We wanted to try to um, increase the importance and you know, give a little bit more leverage to people potentially having a few survey ships out there um, and protecting those. So that's that's kind of where the inspiration for that came from.
2: Can you uh, go through on how the uh, affinities work? Uh,
0: yeah. So the, the affinities themselves, um, I, I assume you're talking about the evolutions here. Uh, the affinities themselves are kind of already in the game, um, not, not the evolutions themselves. But we have a, a concept of affinity in the custom. If you go to create a custom race, you'll pick an affinity for your, your race. That kind of determines some of the AI behaviors behind that race. It determines your initial starting technology, um, which you know, typically is the same. But there's a few differences here and there. Um, it controls, obviously, your um, you know, just aspects of your of your race that are tied to a specific culture. Um, so, you know, moving into the evolutions here, the evolutions are tied to those affinities. So depending on, you know, which affinity you have, which if you're playing a base game race, you would have obviously the affinity that goes with that race. So if you're playing as the humans, get the human affinity, uh, you know, Sulak would get the Sulak affinity, um, or you can create a custom race and pick whichever one you want. Um, so that, that's where the evolution tree is going to come in. So whichever race you're playing as, or whichever affinity you're playing as, you will get that culture, uh that culture evolution tree um, to start with.
1: Right. And so from there, like from what I'm reading in your dev diary, it sounds like, you know, you have your, your evolution side now, right? Like you go through your space culture menu and you have the like evolution or like tree here now. And it looks like to me that like you can branch onto two different paths. And I'm, I'm assuming that each of those paths are exclusive to one another.
0: That's correct. Yes. So um, the, the tree works, Similar to the other space culture trees, and also different. Um, So, in in one way, it's the same because you use space culture points and space culture level ups to select new uh, evolution perks. Um, That's the same. Um, It's different in that the evolution perks, you know, with the standard uh, standard space culture trees, you can just click uh, and move your way down the list. Every level up, you if you want to keep moving down the wealth culture tree, you can just keep doing that. On the evolution side, we wanted to simulate a bit more of the, you know, your Race is evolving over time. So, evolution in our minds is not just like a bodily evolution. It's an evolution of their spirit, their culture, um, everything that makes them them. Um, so, the idea is you start off, um, you know, kind of at your base form, and then you eventually advance down to become the best version of yourself, whichever direction you choose to take. So, uh, for that reason, you can't just move down straight down the evolution tree. You need to first, uh, your first evolution perk is unlockable very early on. I think. Basically, just have to get one other space culture. And then on your second level up, you can immediately start evolving. Um, But then beyond that, you have to wait for a few more level ups till you can get your kind of tier two one unlocked. And then a few more level ups before you can get your tier three one unlocked. Um, So there's multiple reasons for that. One is that, you know, we wanted to put more focus on the space culture system. We wanted to put a little more emphasis on having to get those points. And we've given a few ways for certain races and other ways to do that um, as part of this. But we wanted to put a little more focus there. We also wanted to put a little more competition over the Galactic Wonders. So the Galactic Wonders in the game require you to get down to a tier three of one of these uh, adventure wealth or knowledge trees. Um, now you've got a bit more of a dilemma. Do you keep going down one of those trees to get the wonder that you're looking for? You know, if you're a veteran player, you've probably played the game a ton of times. You know exactly which which ones you want to pick and when you want to pick them. That's going to be a lot harder to do now because now you're maybe struggling with, oh, I really want that, but I also really want this evolution perk. Um, So that's kind of uh, some of the ways they're the the same and different. Uh, Another way that they're the same is that their perks are mutually exclusive at any given level. So with the existing uh, trees, when you pick one, uh, the opposite one in that same tree is unavailable to you. Now, if you go into the evolution tree, we take that one step further. Not only is the option on the opposite side unavailable to you, but the option below that option is also unavailable to you. Uh, We try to illustrate that through some um, connecting lines that will... You know, block off, and it'll also there's messaging there to make let you know that that'll be unavailable. But you really are after your first perk, picking a path that you want to go down, and those paths tend to take you in different directions um, by design, uh, and it offers a lot of variability in how you choose to play. Uh, even the same same race with the same evolution set from game to game, uh, depending on game state, other things. We also add an option to randomize uh, all the tier two and tier three perks um, within a given affinity. And uh, the top perk always stays the same, the first one you unlock, because that is uh, some of the factors. And I can go into that when we go, if we go into more specific on some of the perks. But um, the reason for that is some of those are very, uh, the perks below that are contingent upon that first one. So you kind of have to have it there. That's the same reason that you can't randomize across the trees, because it, they're all very tightly tuned um, to work together. Um,
1: yeah that's I mean like again I think that's awesome because I think what you said at the beginning when you said that the, the the idea behind it was to add some you know desired and you know asked for asymmetry and I think that's exactly the kind of asymmetry I'd like to see especially when you say that you know like you're talking about two exclusive paths that that change up gameplay enough even just for the same race so that you know you're playing the Sulok and you know one time you can play it however I, I mean I'm actually curious to know, like you, you, you did a great job here of listing sort of like maybe giving a, a little, like almost like loreish background on where these evolutions will, were, will, will kind of go within the game. And I'm I'm curious, like, could you give me an example of like how the Suloks will work where, where, what path they'll take on one side and maybe the other path they'll take?
0: Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the, the sulak kind of, you know, uh, this is mentioned in the dev diary, um, uh, you know, their culture is based around, you know, they're, they're the fastest reproducing race we have in the game. Uh, they are, uh, you know, subterranean. They tend to have very large populations, fill up worlds. So the, their evolution is kind of um, based around that. They're also um, known spies. Anybody who's played the game probably knows that the Sulak have messed with their, their plans and messed with their leaders and stolen stuff uh, more than once. So um, we definitely leaned into all of that with their design. Uh, their very first perk is called Swarm Specialists. That one gives you a bonus, uh, bonus weapon damage for every additional ship you have of the same size in combat. So if you bring, you know, six or seven uh, frigates into combat, they're all kind of feeding off each other, and you know, obviously they're going to start dying off during that combat. But you know, and that will start reducing your damage each time that they're there. But they kind of are working it, thematically. They're, you know, the idea is all these ships are working in tandem. Um, to Help each other out, and that's leading to basically you being able to do increased damage. So, um, you know, that works across all their ship classes. Obviously, it's going to be easier to do that with smaller ships, um, which again was by design. We wanted to give them their specific uh, evolution set a, a little more focus on swarming with smaller ships. Um, to help support that, every colony you have also gets a military ship production bonus, um, so that you're getting a, a straight up uh, additional bonus, flat bonus to every colony. So, that's uh, the flat bonus is nice because it doesn't give you as much ability to build like the huge ships on brand new worlds, but if you've just taken a new world or colonized it, you're already going to have a, a decent amount of production to start producing military ships there um, and continue your offensive. Uh, in addition, frigates and destroyers will start at a level of, a one level of experience higher than they normally do. So again, uh, that just kind of feeds into the, hey, use these smaller ships, they're going to do extra damage, um, they're going to be a little more accurate, a little more defensive, and then... Um, their destroyers actually take one less ship support point as well, so their destroyers pretty much cost the same amount as a frigate. So once you're ready to move up, uh, you can really start swarming with those destroyers. Now, uh, all those things probably sound great, but there is one big drawback, and that's true of a lot of these evolution sets. You know, we didn't want to—we wanted to make people feel overpowered in some ways, but also put some restrictions uh, that help challenge them. Uh, and one of the ways we did that with this one is swarm specialist says that your empire can no longer refit ships at all. So Again, really um, pushes into, hey, I'm going to build smaller ships because I don't want to invest a lot in this this giant ship that I can't refit and gets out of date. Um, so that's, that's your starting point as Swarm Specialist. That's the one you can unlock right away. You can start swarming the galaxy with your small ships and gaining damage bonuses right away. Um, from there, you pick one of two paths. One is around speed and has to do with um, effectively making your ships um, have a better... Uh, your ships are effectively going to have a chance to evade missiles from any ships larger than them as well as monsters. So you have a chance to outright dodge a missile. Um, and that one's called Astral Acrobats. Um, so the idea there is these guys are speed demons. They're flying around. They're dodging missiles. They're losing tracking. You know, So uh, this is separate from the whole ship attack and ship defense system. You just have an outright chance to dodge missiles. Um, and then you also gain extra combat speed with that. So you're going to be moving faster and... Um, you know, which is going to feed into that swarm specialist. You're going to get that extra damage. You're going to move faster. You're going to get behind people. You're going to start shooting them and you're going to be dodging their missiles on your way in. Um, So that's astral acrobats. If we continue down that same side of the tree, um, down to the the kind of the final perk in that side, uh, that one is called death wish. We showed this one in the trailer a little bit. Um, So your salvage combat action, if you go with death wish is replaced with the collide action. So this is the again culmination of all the stuff we've talked about. It's these small ships focus. It's this fast these fast ships, and you know whether you choose to wait until their ammo is depleted, or maybe you just uh, your ship's damaged and not really able to do much, or maybe you just want to take a fresh ship and do this. You can um, you fly up next to an opponent. You have to be basically within a short range of them, and then you hit the collide button. You're going to crash into them, doing a bunch of damage based on um, your remaining hulls, so how much armor and structure you've got left in your ship as well as your speed, which you might imagine. Um, so again, that and that feeds into the speed bonus you've gotten earlier. You, you want to make your ships really fast and mobile and just crash them into people and just not worry about it because you're building new ones. And again, the Sulak, you know, they're rapid reproducers. They don't care. They're soldiers. You know, That's the ultimate way for them to go out <laughs> in this world is to crash into somebody and have a good time. So um, the downside to Death Wish um, is that, uh, and the Astral Acrobats didn't have a downside. A lot of the tier two ones did not have downsides. Uh, again, that's by choice because we wanted those to be. Hey, if you've unlocked evolution, you're dealing with the first one. Let's give you uh, kind of a freebie on the second one. You just get bonuses. But if you want to go down to the last one, that's a choice you have. Uh, you don't have to unlock Death Wish. But if you do, salvageable items are no longer available during or after combat. So you're not going to get any free techs or anything like that or BC, you know, currency uh, when combat's over. Now, uh, if instead you want to go down the other path, instead of uh, going from Swarm Specialist to Astral Acrobats, you have a choice to go the other way, which is. Uh, called cloak and daggers. That one gives you a, a straight-up chance, similar to the missiles, to dodge beams and kinetics. Um, and again, that's from ships larger um, than yourself. So I think I mentioned that with astral acrobats. But if I didn't, um, you know, the, sh- you ha- the ships have to be larger than you to dodge them. Um, so the same thing here. If you're if you've got frigates and destroyers and you're facing cruisers, battleships, titans, you've got a 50% chance to evade their bombs and kinetics from monsters and ships larger than them. Um, you also have a chance to deal double damage with your beams and kinetics, kinetics to monsters and ships larger than you. So uh, effectively, you know you're going to be not as fast as you would if the other path, and but you're going to be doing more damage with your uh, beams and kinetics if you go this route. The ultimate, uh, you know, kind of tier three perk for this one is called Starjackers. That one gives you uh, a couple of saboteur leaders immediately peer or level up, um, or your you know your existing leaders might learn the skill. So why are we talking about saboteur? Well, that's one of the spy actions that lets you steal, uh, sorry, destroy um, buildings and structures in colonies. Well, in this case, the saboteur action gets changed now, um, or I guess improved, where it can now steal a targeted ship instead of destroying it. So not only can you destroy buildings, but now, or just ships, now you can actually steal those ships and make them yours. Um, So this is kind of a more underhanded way to get enemy ships from them. Um, In addition with Starjackers, your frigates and destroyers can board ships without requiring them to be mobile, uh, immobile. So you no longer have to take a ships' engines out to stop them in their tracks to be able to start uh, trying to load up your troops. So this might lead to strategies where you want to put marine pods on your uh, frigates and destroyers, fly them up, start trying to steal enemy ships and um, use them to your own advantage. Um, so the downside to Starjackers is you're now accused of every undetected spy action in the galaxy. So every time anyone commits any kind of spy action and they don't know exactly who did it, you're going to lose relations with everyone. Um, so that's, you know, they, they know you're up to no good. That's, that's a full rundown basically of the Sulac, uh, evolutions.
2: Wow. That's, that's amazing. actually. Yeah. It, this is <laughs> just
3: one of them. So,
2: <laughs> well, yeah, um, I'm going to be cheeky and ask for a little bit of an exclusive here, but I've noticed, the uh, the two expansion races, uh, been left out on the dev diary. Would you mind sort of giving us some hints on what their evolutions will be?
0: Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, so uh, let's start with the uh, the palatian because I know Rob uh, Rob likes them he likes the I think yes the ship. <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, so we'll start off with them um, their evolution set is based all around um, really two things space monsters and um, ecological enhancements um, so their uh, their culture is you know and, and we fed into this in their design with natural law um, you know it's in their backstory but they they are a, an assembly of all different um, plants and animals that work with the palatians. You know, the palatian assembly is not just the, the character you see. It's all the plants and animals. It's the um, the space monsters that they interact with. So, you know, they're they're basically able to recruit wild space monsters to their side um, that are out in the wild. Instead of fighting them, you can just have them join you. Um, you can also take a path then to um, have them start spawning offspring for you and start having. Uh, baby, uh, baby space monsters joining you of different types, and then uh, you can eventually give them uh, a bit more um, feeding, so to speak, with more strategic resources because they love those, and um, make them stronger and give them, you know, more armor, more protection, more weapons, so that that helps them scale into the late game, and it also feeds into the palatian ability of resource surge, which lets you, um, you know, increase your. Uh, how many strategic resources you have which further increases um, your space monsters as they're uh, born or acquired now um, the other path would kind of feeds into the space monsters and strategic resources still as well but um, on that path you get uh, a little more help from the animals and plants as well so space monsters will start giving you planetary um, engineering bonuses and other things kind of like support ships uh, as you acquire more of them um, so you've kind of got a way to keep evolving your planets to um, be able to terraform them and improve them ecologically. And then um, you also have an option for the plants and animals to start helping defend your colonies, help you with production, help you with refitting your ships. So, you know, thematically, you can imagine, you know, vines are become, coming to life, they're, they're being fed and they're, they're helping you construct things. Now, there are some downsides to obviously the palatian, just like we talked with the Sulac. Um, and I didn't go into all the details in the palatian. I'll go into a, a, a little more of that with the Dev Diary, but I think that gives you a good sense of it. Um, so one of the downsides is they will not find any environment except for swamp ecological three. So the uplifted swamp worlds are the only environment they're going to find ideal. Most races find two other biomes as to be, you know, tolerable for them. And then the rest are hostile. The Palatian are not like that. They've got one ideal and every other one is hostile. Uh, once you pick that first evolution perk and go down that path and that's done on purpose because, you know, getting space monsters early on is pretty, pretty strong. And then if you go down and improve your space monsters, you kind of lose the ability to have strategic resource. You know, there's strategic resource technologies that you can get in the game, and if you go down that path, you kind of lose access to, you know, those will help you increase your weapon damage, things like that. If you start boosting your monsters with it instead, you kind of lose the ability to use those techs instead. So I give you a good rundown on them.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Really, I'm getting really excited for this again.
0: (laughs) All right, let's go to our favorite furry friends, then the the Serix uh, Sentinels. So uh, they're they're the galactic law enforcers. You know they're the the carrier guys. So you know their evolution feeds into that as well. Right from the get go, they're also the the technology guys. You know there's talk in their biography about them. They're very good at buying technology. They love technology. They're they're the people that li- want to have the newest iPhones. <laughs> you know before everybody else, that type of thing. They're not great inventors though. That's the problem. They're technophiles, and that's actually the name of their first. Uh, Culture perks, so they have a very uh, interesting ability where their population produces no research. No Serix population member is going to produce, produce any research. Now you could still get research through, you know, a uh, supercomputer or you know, research asteroid exploitations, leaders, all the things that would normally give research that aren't population based. Or you could conquer others and get their population to research for you. But you know, as soon as you unlock technophiles, your pops produce no research. Now the upside of that is. You, you're, the entire tech, tech tree is now available for purchase. It's available for sale. Um, you still have to go through and unlock levels in the normal order that you would, but there's now a new button there with the currency symbol and you just take however much BC you have, I want this, I have the money, I click on it, I buy it, it's mine, you have it immediately. You can buy multiple techs at once. Um, however much money you have, you can buy them. So that's that's a pretty exciting one. You know, I was really, really glad when we were able to pull that one off um, all props to Adam on that. He, you know, he did the, he's done all the coding for all of these. So without him, definitely couldn't make any of this happen. But you know, he took on the challenge and we made it happen. So that that one's really exciting. Um, their uh, abilities, the evolutions that flow down from that, their perks that flow down from that. One path is very strongly focused on carrier stuff. So you can, we have a brand new type of strike craft in the game called the Peacekeeper. They can unlock that these are new strike craft so they're similar to the fighters and bombers we have in the game already you put their bay on your ship and they can go out and they're equipped with a, a new version of ion cannons uh, point defense ion cannons and their job is to keep the peace by disabling enemy ships and And their motto is they don't care what happens after they're disabled <laughs> so i don't think they're going to be keeping too much peace in the long run but uh, that's that's the idea and then if you keep going down that path you actually can un- extend all your hangar bays to fit more fighters, more bombers, more peacekeepers on them. So you're now you've got an opportunity where you can really truly make carrier ships. You know, we had the ability to put some bays in there. Some of the feedback we got early on was, hey, we like this, but we'd really like to get carriers. And, you know, personally, me myself, I always like carriers in these games. So I was like, well, let's, you know, I think we can do that. So you know, your cruisers, your battleships, your titans, you know, those are the ones that equip bays. And the larger ship you have, the more additional strike craft you're going to have per bay in it so that that's pretty exciting to go down that path it's very gives you a very different play style now if you go down the other path that one supports um a bit more of the technophile stuff you can start uh, making more money immediately from your uh, borders so basically every system within your border is going to start generating more and more income for you your borders are going to grow faster and you're going to get a a certain amount of bc basically for every system that's within your border every turn so you're just raking in money and that's Again, representative of them having their kind of law enforcement patrols going out. They're they're collecting, you know, uh, contributions from everybody. You know, they're they're very, uh, uh, you know, they act like a police force, but they uh, or they claim to be a police type force, but they act more like a, a mob, <laughs> a bunch of mobsters shaking people down. So that's that's the other path. Obviously, that helps you buy more techs faster because you're getting more money. And then um, their final one, uh, that one was called uh, Empire Patrols, and then their final one's called Galactic Security Initiative. That one let lets you rush military ships cheaper. So again, all that extra money you're getting, if you're not buying tech, now you can uh, rush ships cheaper. You're getting additional ship support points. So those are the support points that let you uh, basically have more ships without penalties for every minor civilization within your borders. So that's kind of the other piece of the That's where they're actually maybe doing some protecting is if they have minor civilizations within their borders, which again are getting larger now because you're taking this path, your borders are growing faster. Uh, it's easier for you to get exclusives into those minor civilizations we talked about earlier. Once you've brought them in, you're going to get additional uh, ship support points. So that's representative of those miners helping you, um, you know, support you with goods and materials and maybe labor. You're also going to get additional travel speed when traveling to systems within your borders. So again, that's that defense. I need to get over here and defend that miner. Or I need to defend this colony I've got over here. Uh, the downside to that one is you can no longer destroy minor civilizations. You have to um, protect them. Now, uh, I didn't mention the downside of extended hangars, which was the one that increased strike craft. That one, you can no longer use combat overload actions on your ships or orbital stations. So your weapons overload, your shield overload, your engine overload, all those are shut off if you take that path. So yeah, that, that about covers them in a nutshell, You know, without going into necessarily all the numerics. That's awesome. I mean, I just love the way this uh,
2: evolution system just gives you more variety of how to play the game and makes replayability of the game a, a lot stronger. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, we do have some community questions. One of them was, how are you finding, because, well, people may or may not know, you guys used to run the Space Sector website before you started uh, developing this game, and you had Mm -hmm. to close that down to focus on the game. And the the question was, is how are you finding being game devs, and is it rewarding enough, or do you actually miss doing the website work?
3: Well, I, I do miss some parts. Especially the part where the task ahead was to play a game all the whole day, and uh, so I could review it, and that was pretty good. I remember that feeling of uh, just having the game and dive and experience it fully to then can write about it to to everybody. That 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 was awesome. Uh, as you guys know, it uh, it's also very very hard work. It was excruciating at times to to produce a good review because. Uh, you have to uh, responsibility, and you have to uh, many many things you wish to to express. So there was some some hardship also on that process. I don't miss that that much, but yeah, there were definitely definitely good times there uh, writing about games.
1: Yeah, and with that, the other side of that question too is just I mean, there's a lot of people that are kind of curious to know just how you know practice games is working. Is is it going well for you guys? I mean, do you feel like Game dev is your future. I mean, are you are you enjoying it?
3: Yes, it's it's uh, it it has been pretty okay. Uh, I I would say the experience itself and the the, the work uh, is really is really enjoyable in many aspects. In others, it's just like a regular job. It's really hard work, and you have to get it through. And there are times where it's a slog, and uh, you just have to complete the stuff and and make it happen. So it's 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 hard work. But it's very, very, very rewarding to, to create something, and especially to create something that people can experience and then tell you about it and say that they like it and they would like to see it evolve. So that, that part really is great, as many say and suspect. But it's really hard work. It has worked pretty pretty good. It was okay. I, I mean, we the return, um, it was not near as we have hoped at the beginning. I'll I'll have to say, but those were very different times. When we started back in 2012, so yeah, 10 years ago, uh, it was very different at at the time. Steam was just starting up, and uh, so there were really, really good opportunities back then. Then the panorama changed a bit, and so the return was not so much as we expected. The team is now a bit more reduced. We had to... Person's working now. It uh, full time now. Only I work full time, and so yeah, uh, it it didn't worked as well in that in that regard as we had hoped. But it's still okay, and it allows us to keep going, and we wish to keep going. Um, the first expansion uh, did well enough for us to to keep going, and if this one also does well, then probably we will continue. Yes. So
2: a bit of an add-on question: If this does go well, are you gonna keep developing this game, or are you looking to move on to other games? And also, have you ever considered maybe becoming a publisher as well as a developer and publishing other people's games?
3: Yeah, well, the certainly we wish to to keep working on on this game if it turns out well. If the second sp- expansion turns out well, as we as we expect it will, we are very excited by it. We think the game has been improving update by update and expansion by expansion. And this one, it just brings a lot of, a lot of depth and aliveness that there was still a, a, already a lot going on, but now we really feel that things are really, really producing uh, great results and a lot of a replayability. So I, I think that, yeah, there's still scope to, to expand on, on the current game. Uh, third expansion is certainly a, a, a possibility if all goes well. So maybe we will go with that. As for an, another game, uh, maybe maybe we can start on that soon, or or or, or no, or defer that to only when we we're happy and and we finish the um, this one. But for now, the idea is to to see what people think to, if they if they would like to to see more of it, and what kind of features do they think the game still could um, receive to be even better. We think it's already in a great place, but yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. As for the, the publishing role, it's certainly something that already crossed my mind, because uh, when you do this for so much so much time, like 10 years, and before I was writing about games and playing about games, so it's basically almost all my life, right? And uh, the people that uh, work with me and work and in the, in the blog and and Keith was was also there and uh, in the game since the beginning and now you really accumulate a lot of experience so that's certainly something that if it's useful if, if we see it's useful if I see it's useful some at some point uh, I think it will be it could be helpful for others that w- that would like to to try and to put their new idea into practice but they need maybe they need some support they need some advice they need some, or maybe some resources to start like publishers do, yeah. Why not? It's not something. It's not something that is in, in my mind right now. But it it could be if it's useful again.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to kind of reiterate or sort of maybe go back. I remember when we first talked, and I I think I remember asking whether or not you taught yourself how to program. Right, you don't have like a formal background in, in programming, right? I do. I do. Oh, you do. I, you do. Okay. I have
3: a degree, yes, in, in computer science. Uh, yes, master's degree, and uh, yeah, I worked in the the space industry for uh, around seven years in critical software. Yeah, in that part we are well, really well well covered. So the the part uh, the coding part is has not been a challenge. Uh, it's hard work. It takes a lot of time, but it's not really a big issue for us that we have the know how. Then there's the graphical part, but that's different. That there's the the graphics, but there we. We have the support of our artists to help us with the 2D, the 3D. There's unity stuff that we had to learn that we had to learn uh, to to how to handle. Uh, but it didn't it, it was not a big stretch to 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 use and start using. It's not that hard. It has a learning curve, but it's not that hard. And then you can start putting everything together pretty quickly, yeah, from there.
1: Yeah, I guess you're kind of like a jack of all trades, really. I mean, it sounds like no matter what you get yourself into, Adam, you're pretty good at it. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. I The next kind of the next questions from the community are kind of uh, one and the same. So I'm going to ask both of them. But w- the question was, there was two that whether or not there's going to be an appro- any more improvements to the base game and then whether or not there's going to be a patch release alongside the expansion. I mean, do you guys have anything lined up to to release for the base game to kind of, you know, maybe shore up some things or not?
3: yeah yeah definitely there will be an update as we usually do and a substantial one yeah to a free one so it will be the 1.4 update it will be released in to the base game before we release the, the expansion or alongside we will have it and it will bring uh, well the game is not us that say that many people say that it's already quite stable so no really critical bugs or anything like that uh, or just you know, a few things in there that were already identified. But uh, yeah, we, we we kept testing and we kept finding many things that we fixed. So there's a ton of bug fixes <laughs> even after that, this amount of time. And uh, even in a very stable game, you can have a ton of uh, bug fixes and improvements. So there's a lot of that. There's also yeah, some AI improvements and there will be... Uh, new options there will be some some graphic upgrades here and there uh, we plan to 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 offer new new 3d models for the strikecraft uh, that were a bit uh, subpar with um, with the new fleets that were revamped in the 1.1 update so the, the strikecraft bombers and fighters will 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 have new models uh we have new leader skills the balance changes gameplay changes so yeah, it will be a nice update, a nice free update alongside the expansion.
0: Yeah, I just want to mention one one additional item that, that I know was a, an item I had requested that I was glad to, glad we were able to get in there. For veteran players that are used to, uh, kind of used to knowing who their opponents are right at the start of the galaxy, because they know if they see that green color, they've got the Drago right next to them. We've also added uh, in this next update an uh, ability to randomize those colors. So. Now, uh, prior to getting the scanners and actually engaging those folks in battle, you're not going to know exactly who they are. So that, that's another way to help uh, spice up the early game, I think, for people that have played a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's kind of easy to tell. Like, even though you don't know, like, yeah, even though you haven't met them yet, you would know Purple were the Sulak, right? And yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. I, I have a couple more questions before we wrap things up. First of all, I just want to say that I'm with Jexy here. I think the, this expansion sounds fantastic. I, I really do believe that it, that more forex games should lean into asymmetry like you guys have here. And they, it makes the game a lot more fun, right? And, you know, it, it, it also sounds like you did a lot to kind of maybe balance or outweigh some of these like kind of big boons you're getting by offsetting those with, you know, some some drawbacks. And I think that's really cool too, because I think a lot of times people or like developers go into giving asymmetric bonuses without really thinking about the balance of the game. And it sounds like you guys are still kind of trying to at least keep it somewhat balanced. I really like that. So my last two questions, really, and I guess they're they're directed at Adam at this point, but I mean, or maybe both of you, is there still something that you guys want to see improved in Interstellar Space Genesis? Like, is there an aspect of the game that you're like, man, I really want to go back and revisit that? And do you guys ever see maybe modding support happening?
3: well on on modding, yes, yes, we definitely wish to to offer something at some point it may be in in the next free update or to to allow people to to just tweak and mess up with the the game supports already to a good extent to change uh, all all aspects about the techs and the the leaders or the or even the space cultures uh many aspects can can be tweaked changed, so yeah we would like to offer some of that at some point um uh, it's always a lot of things uh, that need to be done the expansions need to be done and they are big i mean just for us to have an idea this expansion uh took us almost a whole year to to implement is a lot so uh, you know, me working full time so it's there is really not so that's why sometimes these features don't don't get in so it also depends on on how on um, player feedback, player request. Uh we, we added a lot of things in the in the next free update on player request. And so it depends on um, on how we perceive if many people wish to have something. We know modding is, is popular, is something that people wish to see at some point. So maybe we will offer something uh on that soon. Uh, as for something that I wish still to to had. Definitely the, the minor civilizations were really I really uh, I was really keen in adding because I, I I missed something there in the in the early game, not just early but early mid game, to give you something to look for, not just to 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 find and discover, but also to study and then to keep and then and then that has an impact on diplomacy. So it, it goes almost through the it, it goes through the whole game, and these these was, was really a key feature I wanted in the game. And it's added by now by by expansion two because it will bring a lot of life, a lot of things to do that are meaningful. Because the the bonuses are significant, uh, so if you lose them, it will be a big blow. And if you upset someone, it will be a big blow diplomatically. So you you have to choose what to do there. And you also g- gain votes in the end for the election for the end game. So if you if you keep uh, if you have many of these minor civilizations in your uh, borders, they will give you votes. So yeah, these will we will have. As for other things, yes, there's definitely other things we we would like to see. Maybe more uh, victory conditions or something of that sort, or, or or different a different kind of winning, or maybe. Uh, but there's already elections, or you can uh, dominate, or you can uh, win by an alliance. So there's already quite a few, but maybe something there be done i don't know we 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 don't have yet plans set in stone really uh, on what could be next it it always depends it was the case with expansion 1 and now with expansion 2 it always depends on where we think the game is and players think the game is and what and what's really needed next for instance when we released expansion 1 we were adding towards expansion 2 but then we we saw that players were saying that well diplomacy maybe needs more work needs more meat and we we thought well if we had surrender pacts there it will it will help with micro and it will help giving more to do diplom diplomatically later and and we'll also tie up victory condition uh, victory sooner so and it was offered it did, This new feature was offered for free so you see we always go like this uh, we have some vague plans, but we always react and put in the next free update or expansion, what the game really needs. And the game really needed this now expansion to really needed the miners for the reasons I explained and the evolutions to give it even more depth to the races, to give them more flavor, more, uh, more character. And now you, it will really bring that character because you will see the, the different races specializing differently and it will, I hope, give you a lot of um, excitement for trying new things because these abilities are not just modifiers. They really change the game, as, as you heard. They really allow you to use new techs or new ships or or deny you things or things you cannot do otherwise. So, yeah, I would say that's what I, what I think the game needed now and what it needs next, it will depend a, a lot on what People think after this.
1: Well, I admit that I think you guys have the finger or your finger on the pulse on this game. I feel like, yeah, I, I, if if I were to look back, I think even we kind of discussed this in the last time we spoke that some of what you've done here really was what we were looking for, and and I'm really excited to see how this this expansion is. I I, I personally, after hearing this this talk and and speaking with you guys, I, I'm more excited about it than I was before, and I was already really excited about it. So I think you guys really are doing. The, the right thing and, and sounds like you guys definitely have an idea of a, a really focused idea of what you want this game to be and I really like that so hey Drexy you have anything left before we wrap things up
2: yeah I just wanted to add that um I really love what you're doing with this expansion because rather than add, just adding more races you've kind of uh just given it more ways of playing the current race and especially for people who are really fond of one Race now they've got more options on how to play that race, so I think this is um, yeah, the evolutions is a really good idea, and it's yeah i I like it more than just oh, let's add two more races. It's just giving more flavor to what's already there, which I'm excited for,
1: yeah, I have to agree, I think definitely just adding more races would have been cool, definitely because I like more races, and you know, I like that you guys think a lot about the races that you're adding, but the fact that you've added or created an ability to play the existing races in very new ways is probably even more exciting. So guys, I really I really appreciate everything you guys have really done a great job of kind of giving us a good idea of what we're we're gonna expect with Evolving Empires. I will go ahead and just shoot in the dark here and ask if you have like a
3: release window by chance. Well we really would like to to see if we can if we can release in May. Uh, let's see there's a, there's a, there's definitely a good chance there yeah I, i'll say most probably yeah <laughs>
1: like all right may it is i can wait i, I hopefully i can wait <laughs>
3: i'm not very good at waiting yeah but. it's it's always hard to 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 set a date because it's it's really things really take more time than than we think but now but this time now that we did the announcement i, I mean everything is in the game right in the expansion right? i mean Almost everything, but the things that are left are simple to add. Uh, are not are are not time consuming, so that it's not one hundred percent done and ready. But it's it's not going to take a long time. Now it's just more. It's more a question now of testing. We have been testing, and the thing is, is running well. But a bit more testing, a bit more polish, and see if everything is there. And that's what's left. And we, we plan to open. Um, the, the free update to everyone soon, probably. So we'll probably start from there. And then the expansion will then follow. So yeah, uh, a lot a lot will happen in May, I'm sure.
1: Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Adam. I really appreciate you being, you being here and talking to us about Evolving Empires. You're welcome. It was fun, as always. And Keith, I really appreciate your in-depth responses. I, I feel like I already know a lot of what's going on, which is exciting to me, I think that that's even more I mean it's it's kind of like for the, the the hardcore out there we we love that we soak that stuff up so thanks a lot for that
0: yeah no problem I was uh, I was excited to be able to talk about it too so I've been I've known about these for so long and it's been so hard <laughs> holding it all in um, but uh, I'm glad we're finally able to talk about it and appreciate you having us on to talk.
1: Yeah. For those who don't know, and many probably don't, is that Keith and I are friends on Steam and I see him fire up interstellar space Genesis and I'm like, "Uh uh I know what he's doing. And I want to ask questions and (laughs) I know you can't talk too much, but yeah, there's been a few times where I've poked you a bit and be like, Hey, Keith, uh, what you doing? And you're like, Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm sure it's been hard to keep in. I'd be just as excited to talk about it too. So. Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate you being here. And Drexy, unless you have anything else?
2: No, that's it for me. Just, uh, right. Yeah, I just wish you guys good luck. And yeah, it's definitely uh, one of my favorites. And uh, I just love you guys are supporting it for so long.
1: Excellent. Great to hear.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Well, this was Rob, Drexy, Adam, and Keith for Explominates And until next time, keep exploring.